Joining us for a further look at what's playing itself out in the market scene is Tamsang Naneta from Shiloh Capital. Tamsang, I thank you for your time and a good afternoon to you. Afternoon. All right, I'm keen to get your thoughts on what we are seeing playing itself on the markets. Yesterday was uh, actually a bit of a red close. Uh, we are seeing an attempt at a uh, fight back today, but still not quite uh, where I would say we could be, considering the kind of month that November's been. Yeah, I think uh, it's a key element around the, the resource producers. Um, the miners are actually worth it now. Um, there's a lot around their commodity pricing, how the operator value that. So there's a lot of uh, back and forth around that. I think volatility is the name given what's happening across the world right now. I think we're going to bear the brunt of some of that, uh, especially around uh, the commodity cycles as well as the currency. But I think all in all, end of the month well. Um, our companies are performing well uh, and they're producing great results. I also ask you about uh, maybe markets possibly kind of waiting for uh, that inflation print coming out of the U.S. to give it some form um, of conviction for the week. Uh, Is that a possibility? Yeah, I think it's not so much the market looking at the inflation numbers. The, the knowledge that the Fed is going to respond aggressively against high inflation. So the inflation numbers are an indicator of what the Fed will do. Um, right now, interest rates are pretty high. And if there's an inflation number that comes below the target, uh, the Fed might hold or even ease further. Um, if that's the case, the markets will definitely rent. So right now, the, the view is that inflation indicates to us the Fed. The Fed has held the line quite strongly around uh, ensuring they're targeting inflation. So has our Reserve Bank. They've been quite firm around uh, inflation targeting. And inflation numbers then become an indicator of where uh, what the decisions are going to be made by our central banks. Globally. Uh, just staying with the U.S., I'm keen to get your thoughts on uh, conversations around IPOs at this point. Uh, I'm sure you've heard of Shein looking at an IPO. That's a bit unexpected sometimes. Well, we're not seeing a great stock market uh, around the world. The Magnificent Seven has really been the boost uh, for uh, the U.S. market there. But Shein uh, looking like they're soldiering ahead with this one. I'm keen to get your thoughts on uh, the market conditions uh, right now and whether they are fit for an IPO of the size. Yeah, sometimes IBOs are not driven necessarily by the current market conditions, but they're driven by internal factors such as uh, funders, venture capitalists, uh, options for shareholders, options for employees. So a lot of the time they, they are in the money and need to get out at that point. That same sort of scenario happened with Airbnb, uh, where a lot of the employees' options were about to mature and they need to take action. So sometimes an IPO is pushed not necessarily by a microeconomic trend, but by what's happening internally with the company, which I think is happening too. Very, very interesting dynamic you're paying for us. I'm also keen to get your thoughts on NAMPAC. Now, of course, uh, we know NAMPAC has been on this uh, deep restructure. Uh, we thought that, the, or I thought maybe, let me say, I thought that it would be looking at a better NAMPAC. And now that they've managed, uh, you know, to get a new CEO in, uh, a fresh perspective on the debt. Uh, but it looks like they've been hammered this uh, reporting period. I'm keen to get your thoughts on that one as well. Yeah, uh, changing the driver doesn't change the car. The mm. business model is fundamentally what's in trouble right mm. there. Um, they're selling a product which is very hard to manufacture. It has costs. They can't control the macroeconomic conditions around the costs of that product. And then you have to look at the customer who's buying the product and how are they viewing what they're producing. So you can change everybody in the company, but the business model is what needs to change. They need to look at 
how can they adapt to where they are currently and how can they change to make sure that the business is sustainable. Otherwise, it's going to continue to suffer great for and then let's touch on the senders now. Uh, of course, we heard about these news uh, a while ago, but I think uh, they're back in the spotlight now because I think there's uh, some developments uh, there. We are seeing the CEO in a consortium to buy uh, a senders and delist. Uh, I'm wondering, it is a related party transaction in my mind, and I'm, I'm keen to get your thoughts, actually, uh, you know, on the, um, the blurry lines that could exist in something like this. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, they could, but you could also call it a management buyout, which is fair. I think the real damage to Ascendus was done by the excessive leverage. I think they had great assets, but way too much leverage. At this point, uh, the company is now quite sizable for a management buyout. And that, that, as long as the shareholders vote for it, it will work out for them. Um, but I don't know if it will drive value. I don't know if it will actually lead to uh, debt recovery. And maybe we might see it uh, in a few years back on the market, but uh, management buyouts are normal. The management come together and they structure a consortium to buy it out. Um, the, the key issue is do the shareholders feel this conflict? If they don't and they feel they'll get some value out of it, then the vote will happen and succeed in the buyout. We watch this one very closely. Before we move on, Arsene Metal, South Africa. It's been a tough time for the steel industry. It's been a tough time for manufacturers in South Africa. Uh, I know at some point uh, when I was younger, this was one of the biggest companies in South Africa, uh, Tamsanga, you know. Uh, but it really has been uh, one thing after the other. Now that we're seeing 3,500 jobs on the line, are we surprised at all by these developments here? Uh, no. Firstly, they're they very big companies. They're very big shareholder. Uh, that's the first. The second, which is, uh, they, they really rest on construction demand globally, uh, which has which has tempered quite badly, especially in China. So the consumers of steel, um, as, as we often say, you can't outperform macroeconomics. Um, it's a very difficult thing when you don't have the demand for your product. Um, and that's where they die. Um, and I think until there's some form of alternative demand or they get to address new markets which are building, constructing, or demanding steel in one form or another, I think it will continue to be quite a tough place for them. And unfortunately, uh, when you look at a business, when you can't grow the revenue, you have to reduce the costs. And one of the biggest costs they face is labor. Um, so they're going to have to take that decision. And this is something we're going to see, I think, across the board, where demand is soft, especially on the, on the commodities and mining side. Uh, so I'd like us to move in to stock picks, but first I'd like us to reflect on counters that have found a favor with your industry peers. I'm going to say cash. I know it's boring, but and I haven't done it in a while. But for right now, after the movie scene, I'm, I'm happy to be a little bit on the sidelines as at today. It's a, a competitor to uh, Bitrest uh, in, in, in the Bitcoin, in the, in the food uh, supply market to the restaurant uh, industry. So it's trading at relatively attractive valuation after a recovery in the earnings post-COVID. So, uh, yeah, I'll, 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 I'll go with that. I think, I think it's a, a good quality business that is very defensive. Absolutely, Brandon, anyway, and all the business. I think that the CEO, Ari Rottenbach, is going to continue to execute well. I mean, he's a strong operator. Uh, we saw a good update from Standard Bank today, um, and EPSA also has the South African franchise and Africa exposure. I think that they, I mean, they're already on an 8% dividend yield, and I think they'll grow earnings 
kind of an 8% this year, so it gives you about a 16% return and then possibly a bit of a re-rating um, if we see um, South African macro GDP numbers improving next year. All right, so I'm keen to get uh, your uh, thoughts on some of those. I mean, we do have counters, but we also have cash. It's a very interesting uh, one at this time of the year. Yeah, I think uh, given the volatility, you want to be liquid enough to take advantage of uh, great value opportunities, but you also want to be liquid enough not to uh, take the risk on holding equities that may not necessarily have a strong, strong focus going forward. I think modes will begin to matter quite significantly. Uh, and businesses with that kind of strength will attract capital. And which account are you going with this afternoon, Tamsanwa? Uh, Sibanya Stillwater. I think there's great value there, and I think it will continue to show uh, good value going forward. Thank you so much for your time. It's always a pleasure hearing from you. Uh, that was uh, Tamsanwa Neta from Shiloh Capital uh, with your markets update.